0: Hello, this is Todd from Liberty Lake, Washington, and I would never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. Please do not listen to this podcast.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this 180th episode, 180 of I Doubt It with Dallimore. I am your under-the-weather host, Jesse Dallimore, and sitting across from me, all pleased as punch because she is finished with this semester of grad school, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page.
2: Well... What,
1: what, what the hell does that mean?
2: Well, <laughs> I don't have to drive to school uh, oh. for a month, but my work is not done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One's work is never done, Brittany Page.
2: Uh, That is true, especially for grad school. So I still have a paper to submit by Friday. All right. And then I'll technically be done with my schoolwork.
1: Is said paper completed?
2: Yes. I just need to make some edits to it and then submit it. Um, So,
1: so far, so good.
2: Yeah. And uh, then over break, I'll be working on my thesis proposal. All right. mm -hmm. So
1: you get a month of not driving to school.
2: Yes, and that is definitely a plus.
1: No paying for parking permits.
2: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, No paying for parking permits, no dealing with traffic. It took me an hour to get home today. Wow. Yeah, Um, so that's always unfortunate. All right. The only positive is that it is now cooler,
1: It is. The weather is beautiful.
2: And the disappointing thing is that it's, you know, like 52 degrees and I'm walking around saying I'm freezing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm I'm also sick. So you are that I'm just going to leave that in there just to illustrate the, the malady that that has overtaken me.
2: It's life. You're being real.
1: I'm you know, when we recorded the bonus debate episode. When when I was listening back to it as I do, I you know while editing taking out the different coughs and whatever, um, wow, I was very stuffed up. So I'm imagining that this is probably no different. That I I sound, um, not well.
2: Yeah. So we're kind of doing a a rule re- a roll reversal. <laughs> Again, this is life, everybody. Um, and because I was sick last time. Yeah. Or no good. the time before, I don't remember. Not
1: a fan. In fact, I've. Brittany drank the NyQuil on the program. Mm-hmm. And I was forced last evening to actually, the last two nights I've taken NyQuil. And uh, I am not, not a fan. No fucking good.
2: And because of the taste, or.
1: I don't like how I feel the next day. It's just no good. It's just a. I do sleep soundly. Mm-hmm. It's for sure. Those commercials where they're. You're gonna get some Z's or whatever their catchphrase is. Yeah, their slogan. It is true. I definitely get the Z's. Although I dream weird shit. You do. Yeah, yeah. It's it's bizarre. It's no good.
2: What kind of weird S? Well, I don't
1: remem- I don't remember specifically every dream, but I hmm. just know I wake up like, ugh, that was weird.
2: I, I dreams
1: are weird for me because if I don't if I don't like get in the shower and like talk to myself and tell myself the dream. Oftentimes, it's gone. If I don't say it aloud, it just goes away.
2: I think that's how it is for most people.
1: Yeah. So it, I didn't tell myself the dreams, but I do remember thinking, God, what brought that up? Why was I thinking about that?
2: So this is just to illustrate how cold I've been feeling, which is really embarrassing to talk about because, you know, I'm from Idaho, but right. apparently living where in, it's cold. Right. Living in California has turned me into a whiny bee. So
1: whiny bitch.
2: Just whiny B. Whiny Brittany. I'm a translator. You never know. I'm translating. Um, So I had a dream that uh, I woke up and I was in my apartment and I went into the bathroom in my apartment but inside my bathroom in my apartment had the the little fan, oh. the heating fan that you have in hotels, like a
1: knob that turns.
2: Yeah, and it turns on a heater and the lights. And so like the
1: heat lamp, like the, you're a McDonald's sandwich.
2: Yeah, so I remember dreaming before I woke up that everything would be okay because I wouldn't be cold because my bathroom had one of those, and then I woke up. Yeah, and that was not that it's, the case. It's
1: kind of like dreaming that you're that you have a pain. Like in your stomach, like someone stabbed you. And then you wake up and you just have terrible diarrhea and you have to go to the bathroom.
2: Well, I remember... No,
1: no. That's what happens to you all the time.
2: Okay. I right? remember... Yeah. The
1: diarrhea pains. No. The diarrhea bathroom dreams.
2: No. um, Because <laughs> I remember being a kid and some of my worst times were in Idaho, freezing because my mom couldn't afford to use the heater. And it would be snowing outside, and it would be like thirty degrees in the house. I mean, it was horrible. And right,
1: like a vacant, just lean-to, like a shed out in the out in the wilderness.
2: Seriously, she would tell us we'd be like, "Mom, we're cold," and she's like, "Okay, go put on your coat." <laughs> and we're like, "We're in the house, Mom." <laughs> um, but I remember getting out of the shower. And that was the worst. Oh, I mean, yeah. you would step out of the beautiful, wonderful shower and then it, it just eat you alive, the cold. Bing.
1: <laughs> just instant nip.
2: Um, Nipping out. Okay. Bing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yes. Like a seatbelt
1: light, like a seatbelt noise, alert going off.
0: Bing, ding, 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 ding,
2: ding, ding, ding. Uh-huh. No? Yes.
1: All right. Well, let's move on before this goes any further south. Um, If you'd like to do a solid for your favorite podcast hosts, give us a little Christmas present this year. Why don't you go to iTunes and rate and review this particular show? Program. Program. It goes a long way toward helping us and getting us in front of new, new listeners.
2: And also, here's another idea. If you like the page on Facebook, which, if you're listening, that should just be something that's already happened, um, you can share the page with your friends. You can invite your friends to like the page. That
1: would also be, you could just put the link, the uh, www.facebook.com slash I doubt it with Dollymore. As a link in a in a in a status, and it will populate that status with our page, and people can just like it from there. Mm-hmm. That Brittany, that's really that's a genius idea.
2: That's a great idea, Brittany.
1: You can come up with some good ideas sometime. Seriously, right? Well, let's let's get to some listener feedback. We got a little bit this week. We got a call concerning a topic that we talked about a couple of episodes ago, but still, like we say six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine and it matters not if it was a topic we just talked about or something we talked about on episode one we want to hear from you
3: hey there i thought it was all it's your old buddy jeremy from kansas uh i guess i'd be a a long-time listener multiple time caller regardless i'm just driving around with you guys and uh you're talking about, in this episode, I may be a couple behind, but in this episode, to refresh your memory, you were talking about um, uh, the the president's uh, press secretary was talking about Trump and how inadequate he was to the president, basically. He disqualified himself. And it was mentioned by Jesse that it's not really fair because they're not afraid of the Republican base, uh, the, these Republican candidates who aren't, you know, uh, talking crap on Trump. They're not necessarily afraid of the base. Uh, they're afraid of Trump running uh, as a third-party candidate, as an independent. It made me wonder. You know, the Republicans have a ton of money in their coffers, um, and as these other Republicans drop out of the picture, if it ends up that you know Cruz or Bush uh, gets the Republican nomination and Trump drops out, couldn't they just buy him off? I mean, that's what Trump is all about. Trump is all about that cash, and. I just, I'm wondering if it, I guess my question is this. I'm wondering aloud and it just happens to be recorded right now. But is there a precedent for that? Um, Is it illegal? And how bad would it make them look if they were to just say, hey, you know what, Trump, here's a blank check. Go pound sand. Get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. We know what you're about. Here's the money. Just go. And uh, so, hey, if if that's legal, if they had the balls to do that, Do you think Trump would say yes? I don't know. Anyway, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks.
1: (laughs) I will hang up and listen. It is kind of nice having people drive around in their cars and listen to us on their radios.
2: Yes. Is it not? Hopefully a hands-free call. (laughs) Safety first.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't want to hit any cornfields or cows out there in Kansas.
2: Mm.
1: Well, to to the call, I, I don't know... I'm not an you know a federal elections commission expert, so I don't know if that would be legal. My gut would be no. It's kind of an electioneering kind of a conspiracy to get him out of the race, and conspiracies are that is a felony. So you can't. I I I don't know. I'll just say that. But to speak to some other to some of the other points, I, I don't think that Trump is all about the dollars. I think Trump is an ego driven guy. And he wants to, I want to win. It's tremendous. I want to win. This is, I I like to win. We're going to win again. That's his mantra. That is really what he's about.
2: And I I don't like to agree with you, (laughs) but I I think that that's true. And I was going to say that would he accept it? Would he accept the money if that was something that could be done? No, I don't think he would because he wants to be president. This isn't about right. money for him. Right. He's putting his own money into this um with the risk that he, you know, might not win. Although I don't think he thinks he might not win. I think he believes he will win. <laughs> But he's putting his own money into it. So I don't think he cares about the money. It's he wants the power. He wants the recognition. He wants everybody to be out there talking about Donald Trump. Right. He's always, oh, I'm in the center of the stage. I have the most numbers. You know, that's what he cares about. If he
1: cared that much about the money, he would have people contributing to his campaign so he wasn't spending his own money. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope that answers your questions. Probably not. But like I said, I am no election lawyer. Uh, Let's move on. We got another call.
3: Hi, Jeremy, Kansas again. Uh, Just so you know, I do realize that I probably could have Googled my answer to that last question, but honestly, where's the fun in that? Okay, that's it. Bye.
1: (laughs) And apparently I could have Googled the answer in order to answer your question, but what is the fun in that?
2: I could have Googled it too.
1: (laughs) And this... Although not campaign related, is something we talked about the other day, this next call, and it is dealing with the, the the fan versus listener. How I said that I have a I feel weird referring to listeners as fans. Hey Jesse and Britt. This is Sable. Little feedback for you. It's possible to have both listeners and fans. For example.
4: I'm a listener of Jesse, but I'm a fan of Britney. Love
1: the show. Britney's the best part. <laughs>
2: um, That is very nice. Love the show. Britney's the best part. Bye. And very funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, on your end of things. He's
2: and just... also the first time someone's called me Brit, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. I like it. Maybe so. I like it. Yeah. Well, it is. he's kind of going down that white men can't jump Kind of line of thinking that you don't you don't really hear Jimmy. You're listening to Jimmy, or maybe the other way around. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. and really, if you have this show on, you have no choice but to listen to me, or at least to hear me, because of the the this horrid sound that comes out of my mouth when I speak that I've been cursed with. Clearly, there is no God, and if there is one. He's an angry asshole because I have been afflicted with this.
2: Oh, what an affliction.
1: (laughs) All right. If you, too, would like to communicate with the show, please do 657-464-7609. Of course, as always, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone. We accept those as well. So let's move on. This week, it was announced... That Bo Bergdahl is going to be charged and sent to a general court-martial.
2: Another piece of breaking news uh, related to
1: Sergeant Bo Bergdahl, who uh, re- was released, as we all know, in that controversial uh, prisoner
2: swap. Um, and so we're hearing he will now face a general court-martial. Walk us through what that means in terms of this military court.
1: Sure. What it means is that he's going to go to trial. Now, this is significant news, Brooke, in light of the fact that there was a recommendation that pretty much said, you know what, I've reviewed this, I've evaluated this from the underlying Army investigator. and after hearing witnesses, I really don't think it's that serious. And as a result of it, we should really end this here. Well, the general, of course, went against that recommendation. And as a result of that, because of the full blown trial that he's now exposed to, and because of the nature of the charges, desertion and potentially exposing his comrades, his partner in arms to danger, he could face a life sentence. And so this is major significant news. Obviously, you're innocent until proven guilty. But the mere fact, brooke that this is allowed to go forward where there will be a judgment made as to his conduct is very very significant well he didn't get that exactly right and part of the thing that he didn't get right is that he would have gone to trial anyway it's just that he's getting he's getting sent through a general court-martial which is for like felonies for major charges Mm Mm-hmm. The lower court-martial is like a a misdemeanor type of trial. It's still a trial. Right. But it doesn't cover and doesn't come with it some of the harsher sentences like he will face in this trial, which is life in prison. Mm -hmm. So, and this isn't one of my tooting my own horn, but when this case first came and we were talking about this and people were losing their minds, I really... I, I counseled everyone for cooler heads to prevail to wait because the military, I said, would take care of this. They, they're going to figure this out. They're not going to. Justice will be served, whether it be he's found guilty and sentenced to whatever or let off.
2: Right. You so, you predicted that.
1: Well, no, no, no. no. I, I didn't predict. I mean, I just it, I know it's going to happen. The military is going to take care of biz. And so. I don't know what's going to happen here. Obviously, this is a trial that's going to happen within the military courts. But my my guess would be he's not going to spend life in prison. Mm-hmm. I think that he's he may spend five or ten years, and they may you know suspend his sentence for the fact that he already spent five years in captivity. I don't think he's going to do a ton of time. I, I just that's my gut feeling on this. And I think he is worthy of serving time. I think he is guilty as shit. And there needs to be a punishment, but he's already spent many years in captivity, and you know, some punishment has already been meted out.
2: Right. And this, interestingly, um, coincides with the Serial premiere.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
2: Serial is back, and the subject is Bo
1: Bergdahl. Serial is. I'm assuming everyone would know, because they're listening to us.
2: Oh, a podcast. Is that what I should have said?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes, it is a podcast. I just assumed everybody knew because it was so huge. Yeah, it was crazy. when it premiered right. uh, last year. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm.
1: So they are. Co- that's what they're covering. Last year they covered a guy named Adnan Syed, and this year they're covering the Bo Bergdahl deal. Right. So that I think premieres on Tuesdays, Thursdays, same day as ours. Unfortunately for us, I guess. <laughs> All right. Next up and follow up well it was bound to happen i think bill cosby no no we don't answer that has decided that he is going to sue i think seven different ladies who have accused him of sexual assault bill cosby is taking his accusers to court that's right he has filed a defamation lawsuit against seven women who have accused him of sexual assault in the suit cosby claims the women lied in their accusations His attorney released a statement saying Mr. Cosby states plainly that he neither drugged nor sexually assaulted the defendants and that each defendant has maliciously and knowingly published multiple false statements and accusations. No criminal charges have been filed against Mr. Cosby, but he is facing several defamation suits from his accusers. The scandal has cost the 78 year old several awards just today. Boston University decided to revoke an honorary degree it awarded Mr. Cosby back in 2014. Well, this is interesting. It makes me wonder a couple of different things. One is, I wonder, they've obviously handpicked whichever women they want to name in this lawsuit.
2: Right, because there's over, what, 40 now?
1: I think there's over 40, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, this does open him up to deposition by their lawyers as well. So if these, it's a risky move, because if, if these women are able to team up with the other victims and have questions force-fed. Like, for instance, let's say that these seven, um, now they're defendants in this case. They're not just the victims. Now they're defendants in this defamation lawsuit. If they were lying about their charges or their allegations against Bill Cosby, he, he's going to be able to put them on, uh, um, not the stand per se, per se but uh, depose them in a legal proceeding and ask them all kinds of questions and poke holes in the case or whatever. Right. But in turn, they're also allowed to ask questions under oath in a deposition that is being recorded by a court recorder, a stenographer. Um, and we're going to get all kinds of other du- ju- juicy details out of this. So... Uh, it would make me think that he probably handpicked these particular victims or defendants mm-hmm. for a particular reason. Oh, well, of course. So we'll we'll wait to see what comes of that.
2: But I also feel like Bill Cosby needs to do something to try to fight back against this in order to save his image. Right. Because who is defending him anymore?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I,
2: I mean, celebrities have come out pretty heavily against him. Yeah. Um, all these awards are being taken away, you know, statues of him, honorary
1: degrees.
2: Right, and and he's he has to do something in order to attempt to salvage what's left of his image.
1: Yeah, and his legacy. I right. mean, it's we will see. This is certainly obviously something we're going to be following. No, no,
5: we don't answer that.
1: As we have over the course of the last several months. Mhm. Uh, Another big thing that happened this week, this isn't necessarily follow-up, but it did happen right here in our backyard. The Los Angeles Unified School District, LAUSD, um, had a a hoax, an email threat of, of terrorism, and they shut down schools one day this week.
0: More than 650,000 students from Los Angeles Unified School District will head back to school Wednesday after an email threat prompted officials to cancel class Tuesday. But while LAUSD students had the day off, another large school district was dealing with the same threat, New York City Public Schools. The district didn't use a calamity day. The threat, which was emailed to both Los Angeles and New York schools, was later determined to be a hoax.
4: We believe that the email originated overseas, The language in the email uh, would lead us to believe that uh, this is not a jihadist initiative.
0: There's a few reasons why both of these large school districts could have responded differently. For one, the San Bernardino shooting is still fresh in everyone's mind, especially for those in California.
3: I think the circumstances uh, uh, in the neighboring San Bernardino, I think uh, what has happened uh, in the nation, I as superintendent
4: am not going to take the chance.
0: And as for New York City public schools, they receive the threat much later in the day than their West Coast counterparts.
4: It is very easy in hindsight, to criticize a decision based on results that the decider could never have
0: known. Officials say when the Los Angeles schools reopen, there will be extra law enforcement patrols to help ensure students feel safe. For Newsy, I'm Melissa Prax.
2: So there was a lot of criticism leveled at the... Yeah, there was. um, LAUSD for making this decision to close the schools. And there was kind of a little... East Coast versus West Coast war that popped up on, like, certain news agencies that are L.A. based. Right. Um, even
1: even uh, Bratton, the, the police commissioner in New York City, he took swipes at the decision to shut down.
2: Right. Which, it's easy to look back and say, oh, it was a hoax. But you don't know that in the moment. Oh, yeah. And what if something really were to happen and you didn't take initiative and you know, get these kids out of harm's way.
1: I, I completely agree with you. Look, after the fact it's easy to, 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 to quarterback from your armchair and say, oh, well, they shouldn't have done it. But goddamn, in the face of what just took place, San Bernardino is, what, 40 miles from Los Angeles. Maybe not even that that far. It's 50 miles from where we are. I know it's 50 miles from Pasadena, which is a suburb, if you will, of L.A., It's very close, so that's very raw right now. The other thing is, New York City has a completely different infrastructure security-wise than Los Angeles. It's practically a police state compared to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Los Angeles is sprawl. It is spread out. It's 600 square miles or something crazy. And think about that. From... Six hundred and fifty. Well, this is a completely different topic, but think about that: six hundred and fifty thousand students. If you add in employees and bus drivers and all the other people, oh yeah, that's close to a million people who were affected. This this could have shut down a a massive segment of the Los Angeles area because parents have to figure out childcare. They, I mean, that's. This, this was certainly an economic hit as well. They knew the gravity of the decision they were making, and they made it anyway. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt.
2: Yes. And, you know, if if my school notified me that there was some sort of bomb threat or, you know, some sort of threat, and they said, but everything's good, you, you could come to school. I don't know if I would be wanting to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So And you've
1: I, had lockdowns at school. Right. You you had a lockdown at school where there was a gunman on campus
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you were locked for like seven hours you were locked in a in a classroom.
2: Yeah. And it, it wasn't like a gunman, like trying to shoot up the school. It was some sort of criminal that had robbed a business and then he ran onto the campus or they, I think there was two of yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. Um, They ran onto the campus and then they were, you know, somewhere on the campus. We didn't know where they were. And so the school was lo- locked down. And that was the first time I ever experienced something like that. And yeah, it was like six and a half hours. And it it was not a good situation. I mean, you feel like just a sitting duck because it's hard to get information. Luckily I had my phone so I could look at Twitter and people were tweeting updates. Uh, Otherwise I would have had no idea, no idea what was going on outside that room. And then you're just sitting in the room like, well, are they in this building? Yeah. Are they getting ready to come over here?
1: Sure. So it's having said that you, even if it was a hoax, you find out later you will have wanted to have been more safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Support for I Doubt It with Dollimore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you, too, would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash
1: So we did, we have posted the fifth and final of this year GOP bonus debate episode. It is password protected for Patreon users only, Patreon supporters only. However, it's not too late to get in on that sweet, sweet action. If you do... If you do sign up within this next week or so, and pledge whatever amount, and setting that that monthly maximum, whatever you want to do, um, I will email you individually the password to that debate episode. We really appreciate our supporters very, very much. Dollarocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So a funny thing happened this week with Donald Trump, as does, I guess, every week. His personal physician has come out and given him a clean bill of health. And as maybe you've already heard, it was done in a very Donald Trump-esque fashion.
2: To whom my concern? What? What? Yep.
1: To whom my concern?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not to whom it may concern? No. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even know that part.
2: I have been the personal physician of Mr. Donald J Trump since 1980. His previous physician was my father, Dr. Jacob Bornstein. Over the past 39 years, I am pleased to report that Mr. Trump has had no significant medical problems. Mr. Trump has had a recent complete medical examination that showed only positive results. Actually, his blood pressure, 110 over 65, and laboratory tests results were astonishingly excellent. (laughs)
1: Are they tremendous? They're tremendous.
2: Over the past 12 months, he has lost at least 15 pounds. Mr. Trump takes 81 milligrams of aspirin daily and a low dose of statin and Viagra. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> his, PA, his PSA test score is 0.15, parenthetically, very low. His physical strength and stamina are extraordinary. Mr. Trump has suffered no form of cancer, has never had a hip, knee, or shoulder replacement, or any orthopedic surgery. His only surgery was an appendectomy, twins, at age 10.
1: Triplets, because I've had one too.
2: Yes. His cardiovascular status is excellent. He has no history of ever using alcohol or tobacco products. Doubtful.
1: You know, he says, that just a little bit of wine, just a little bit of wine with his, with his little cracker when he takes communion. Yes. Yeah.
2: If elected, Mr. Trump, I can state unequivocally, will be the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency. (laughs) Harold N. Bornstein. Wow. MD.
1: And also historian, presidential historian as well.
2: Evidently, yes. He's not
1: just a medical doctor. This guy has multiple talents. Some of them include presidential historian.
2: Some of them also include accepting large amounts of money to write whatever is asked.
1: <laughs> well, he must know the, the nitty-gritty details of what Zachary Taylor's health was like when elected president. Or John Adams, for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking weird deal. So also this week, relative to the Trump campaign and his multiple events that he does throughout the, throughout the, the month... There is a shocking, well, God, that's such a, I don't even know if it is shocking, but there, there is a a level of racism and xenophobia that is reported from members of his supporters in these in these groups. My voice is not not doing well, Um, but it's always just reported. There's usually never audio or video of it. Well, that is not the case, and I don't know if it's because the crowd now there's enough dissenters in the crowd that they're starting to take video or that now reporters are starting to be on the lookout for it. But we have audio evidence of some of the asshole behavior that is taking place. In this particular clip, there is a Black Lives Matter protester who has either been forced onto the ground or lost his balance, and he's trying to get back up. There is a lady screaming to let him up. Let him get up, and then you hear someone in the crowd yell, "Light him on fire!" Oh, I'm sorry, light that motherfucker on fire. Let him
0: get up. Let him get up. Let him get up. Let him
5: get up.
3: Light the motherfucker on fire.
1: One more time.
0: motherfucker like
2: So in addition to this horror, uh, NBC's Benji Sarlin says that one individual shouted the Nazi greeting Zeke Isle in the area of the same protester. Sarlin wrote that Trump took the interruptions in stride and complained that they were the only way to get the media outlets to turn their cameras toward his crowds to show off their size.
1: Because that's what's important here. Right, not that you have racist, I, 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 xenophobic is that's that's almost excusable when you have people who are violent and racist, screaming Nazi propaganda, Nazi chants in the crowd.
2: Well, and also saying light this human being on fire. Right. Uh, it's very alarming. And people might say, you know, well, you can't judge Trump based on who supports him, but you kind of can. And if you Google, um, you know, if you if you have some free time (laughs) and you want to Google like racist Twitter accounts, they're out there. And many of these people are tweeting support of Donald Trump. Yeah. And You know that's just not a good sign that you have people like this going to these rallies, and then you have people that are openly racist on Twitter, tweeting their support of Donald Trump,
1: and not just openly racist. We're talking about who have like the 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 swastika flag in their Twitter profile, right? In their in their profile picture, Mm -hmm. people who are who who actively identify with a white separatist uh, Aryan nation type of of ethos Mm -hmm. white supremacy right it's sickening Mm -hmm. it is sickening and it should be alarming if not to normal people to trump supporters your average everyday trump supporter that they are in league with these type of people
2: well because what are they identifying with you know, and I think that Pat Buchanan. There's been parallels drawn to Pat Buchanan because when Pat Buchanan was popular, he also um, drew out the the racists, and they were being supportive of Pat Buchanan. Yeah,
1: he's also kind of an isolationist kind of guy, like Donald Trump is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's alarming and. We will see what kind of damage it does. It needs to definitely be talked about more. I think the media is failing at their job and not really bringing this to the forefront as much as they should be because it was this exact type of thing that brought down the Buchanan campaign back in 1996.
2: Well, and I kind of wish that they could get the people who are saying these things and doing these things i wish they could get them on video yes um, or get
1: get a, get a mic in front of them interview them
2: right and not because i think like their lives should be ruined or something i guess i mean i don't i don't know if that should happen but there should be some sort of consequence
1: for sure well that's why i think if you interview them you give them enough rope to hang themselves right Ask them questions. These people are proud of what they believe. They don't believe that, they, that they're that they in error in any way.
2: Right. There needs to be some sort of measure taken to ensure that people are are not wanting to behave like this anymore. Right. To where, oh, wow, look at what happened to that protester who, you know, advocated lighting another human on fire. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I just think it's so strange. I don't know you're out in a public place and you're talking like, <laughs> I just, I don't understand.
1: Well, I've thought about several times about going to uh, the next Trump event near us. Oh, God. And going with a microphone <laughs> and just interviewing people. Because I'd like to get a flavor for what's going on out there at the, in these groups
2: on my own. Okay, that would be great for the show. Yeah, I would just ask them questions. I don't have to be adversarial. But I'm terrified. Oh yeah, for that, Th- that to happen. In fact, that's
1: something I think we should do.
2: I feel like that would be an unsafe. We need to get a
1: hold of environment. We need to get a hold of the Trump schedule, and on his next whistle top whistle stop tour, <laughs> we need to get out there with a microphone and a Zoom recorder, a digital recorder, and go to town, ask some questions, get to the bottom of this. All right. That is our number. Tell us what you think. We want to hear from you. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. So apparently, Americans are twice as willing to distance Christian extremists from Christianity than Muslims.
2: This is research that was conducted with the Public Religion Research Institute, and they found some double standards on religious violence. Americans employ a double standard when judging acts of violence committed by Christians and Muslims. Three quarters, 75% of Americans say that self-identified Christians who commit acts of violence in the name of Christianity are not really Christian. Only 19% of Americans say that these types of perpetrators are actually Christian. In contrast, only half, 50% of the public say that self-proclaimed Muslims who commit acts of violence in the name of Islam are not really Muslim. 37% say these perpetrators really are Muslim, while 13% offer no opinion. Hmm. So just to do a quick, important um, poll of information, 19% of Americans say that Christian extremists are actually Christian. 37% 37% say that Muslim extremists are actually Muslim. Right. So 19 versus 37. Almost double. Yes. Yeah. So this is problematic, obviously. Yeah. Because.
1: <laughs> but I think it's a natural thing that happens.
2: Um. Okay. Well, it still kind of confuses me because it, the question is phrased, Christians who commit acts of violence in the name of Christianity. <laughs> right.
1: Well, it's if it's, it's people don't understand what they don't know and and people don't know anything about Islam. So it's easy to say, oh, yeah, that's all one. It's one monolith. It's one thing. And Christianity, I, I get I understand my doctrine. And if a guy does that, I can't conceive of doing something crazy like that. So he must not be a true Christian.
2: You know what? This is a great point and something just happened in my brain where I had a memory uh-huh. of speaking to a family member and they uh, fancied themselves educated in religion. Yeah. Particularly Christianity. Okay. And in a discussion about Islam uh, it was realized that to me that this person didn't know a lot about Islam but still had all these opinions. Sure. About it. Of course. And that's really confusing to me because you know I uh, I don't know. So many people have opinions about these other religions without really, you know, uh, investigating it.
1: Even doing cursory research.
2: Right. Like even um, Mormonism. Um, I, unfortunately, have read the Book of Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're
1: quite white and delightsome, Brittany.
2: Yes, I was going to convert as a teenager for my boyfriend and my ex-boyfriend, and we used to read it together.
1: Mm, That's a sexy time
0: right there. How cute
2: is that? We used to listen to it on tape and hold (laughs) hands and read it together, and I was going to convert, and I had my own Book of Mormon with my name engraved. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, I felt really special. And so this is kind of an important thing, though. If you if you want to know more about the, the religions, then you should read about them, right? You should know more about them than just kind of what you hear from other people, what you see on the news.
1: Yeah. As Sun Tzu in The Art of War says, you need to know your enemy better than you know yourself. Yes. <laughs> of course. Well, it's interesting. I, I'm glad that somebody's doing um, due diligence and actually recording some of these opinions because- Let me tell you, the guy who shot up the Planned Parenthood in Colorado Springs is a terrorist. He is a Christian terrorist. He is just as much a terrorist as Saeed Farouk and Tashfeen Malik in San Bernardino. The only difference is the religion. That's it.
2: So just in case you were wondering what the demographic was in terms of religion for this sample, there were a uh, thousand and three people included in the total sample. And 197 were white evangelical Protestant, 163 were white mainline Protestant. 137 were non white Protestant, uh, 196 were Catholic, 212 were religiously unaffiliated. So most were religious, but there were some religiously unaffiliated individuals sprinkled in there. So just FYI, mm-hmm. in terms of when they say Americans, that's kind of what the sample was.
1: Right. Well, that's important to know as well. All right. Well, listen, if your Facebook timeline looks anything like mine and i would assume anything like britney's you probably saw a lot of tribute and posts surrounding the fourth year since christopher hitchens died i don't know why i feel uncomfortable saying anniversary Mm -hmm. because you celebrate an anniversary in commemorate the fourth year commemorating the death of Of Christopher Hitchens. How about that? That's better? Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Well, we're going to do the same thing. We did it last year and we played a clip of him talking about, in a Vanity Fair video, talking about uh, his version of what the Ten Commandments should be.
2: Should we circle back just real quick and say who Christopher Hitchens is for any sad person who doesn't know who he is? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Christopher Hitchens uh, was an English author, religious and literary critic and journalist... And he had columns at the Vanity Fair, um, the Atlantic. He was a like world-renowned journalist. He went to North Korea. Um, he went places that yeah people don't want to go. Iraq, <laughs> um, Calcutta. Yeah, and did amazing reporting. He's one of he is the greatest writer. Yeah,
1: prolific writer.
2: I mean, if you read any of his books, even you know non-atheist books. His writing is just, it's unparalleled. I mean. He, he will
1: go down, I believe, as one of the greatest writers. He is, it, it will make you, if you have any kind of affinity toward writing, it will make you.
2: Depressed. Either depressed <laughs> or
1: really yearn to up your game because he was unbelievable, unmatched, unparalleled yes. by anybody I know of today.
2: But mostly it will make you bummed out.
1: So I'm going to play a clip here, but before I do, I want to talk about kind of how he formed me, how he influenced me. Mm-hmm. Um, the clip we're going to play is just kind of a compilation of the best moments of Christopher Hitchens from different speeches and debates that he was in. Um, Christopher Hitchens, for me, I didn't really know about Christopher Hitchens until the early 2000s. Um and for me, he really, he he made it okay for me to be out, if you will, as an atheist. There's a new term that's bandied about by people that is new atheism and mm-hmm. a new atheist. And for me, well, one, I'm not ashamed to call myself a new atheist. For me, a new atheist, well, let's talk about what an old atheist is. An old atheist was one who was persecuted and forced, whether through ridicule or force, force of will, to keep their mouth shut about what they believed and didn't believe. A new atheist is unencumbered by such influences. I consider myself a new atheist.
2: Right, new atheists advocate the view that religion should not simply be tolerated, that it should be countered, criticized, and exposed by rational argument wherever possible.
1: Yes, and I do. I, I, I consider myself amongst them. Now, I may not be as as uh, boisterous in my arguments. I might not be as seemingly angry as I once was for having wasted so much time and being lied to and being indoctrinated and brainwashed into a cult. But uh, I still feel the same way about religion. It is pernicious. It is devastating. It is an evil in the world that needs to be eviscerated. Now, not through violent action, but through ideology and through the convincing that uh, being an atheist is the better way to be, the better way to live, the better way to think, that without religion, without gods, it is not only possible, but more likely to live a good, moral, decent life. That's what I got from Christopher Hitchens.
2: So... Today, I was I was telling someone uh, about my atheism and they said, you know, if I if I searched for you like online, would I be able to tell that you were an atheist? And I said, probably, you know, on my Twitter or, you know, on the show or something. And they reacted not negatively, but it was it was kind of interesting just to have the question asked if you were if I was Googled, would would they know that? Right? Would they ask a Christian that? Would they say, "Oh, you're a Christian"? If so- if someone Googled you, would they know that you're yeah. not a Christian? Yeah. And it's automatically
1: in- inferring that there's negativity to that.
2: Right. When why should anyone have to hide anything that they believe when it comes to religion? Um, yeah. Why should anyone be fearful? Or m-
1: better stated, maybe. Why should you be more ashamed of your lack of belief in gods than a Christian who believes that homosexuality is a, a a moral practice that should be either outlawed or they should be subjugated and discriminated against?
2: Right. Well, I see it all the time where people are posting things about god and religion and jesus and or even you know homosexuality being an abomination or these things and then the moment that you start posting that you don't believe in god it's almost like that is offensive in and of itself
1: yeah
3: so
2: for a long time i was hesitant to say i was an atheist i really I think where a lot of people prefer to stand is I'm an agnostic, right? Because you really are an atheist, <laughs> but there's so much stigma attached to being an atheist, and just the word atheist is loaded, right? Well, right? can
1: I can I dismiss? I don't, we haven't talked about this in a long time, but can I kind of dispel the what agnostic people who people who think agnostic means you just don't know, and atheist means you know there's no god. That's not that's not the way it is. Atheist just means you believe there is no gods based on the evidence that we presently have. It doesn't mean that you know anything. It means that with the evidence that we have, you believe there isn't one, which is exactly what an agnostic is. They're not sure, meaning I don't have all the evidence to decide that there is a god. That's the same with me. And I'm not an agnostic. I am an atheist.
2: Right. So I have a hunch that if you asked most agnostics to choose, that they would choose that they don't believe. Right. But because there's so much stigma associated with being an atheist, and I'm doing my thesis on this, this topic. Um, very excited for that. Probably. And studies that show this atheist prejudice, I mean, they are very alarming and very upsetting where people read a a vignette of a criminally untrustworthy individual. And they're asked, is this most likely to describe a teacher, a teacher and a Christian, a teacher and a Muslim, a teacher and an atheist, and a teacher and a rapist? You know, they're given a series of options. Right, right participants do not significantly distinguish between the atheist and the rapist. So it's like equally probable that this criminally untrustworthy individual could either be a rapist or an atheist. Yeah, right. that's the most probable description. Th-
1: that's a matching categor- uh, categorization. And that yeah. is,
2: it's really alarming. That's really thats really terrifying. Because yeah, it's, it's almost 2016. Right. And I know I say that a lot. I remind us of the year a lot.
1: You depress me every single time because you're right. It is almost 2016.
2: But I just feel like we should be, you know, moving away from this attitude. Right. I don't know.
1: Well, what I want to do, I'm going to play this clip. It's about 15 minutes long. If you're not into Christopher Hitchens, you might want to listen. <laughs> just.
2: Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say you might want to turn it off. No,
1: no. You, you might want to just listen through as much as you can to, to, to really get the the wonder that was Christopher Hitchens.
5: Now, I am uh, absolutely convinced that the main source of hatred in the world is religion and organized religion, absolutely convinced of it, and I think it should be religion treated with ridicule and hatred and contempt, and I claim that right. So when I say, in, as the subtitle of my book, that I think religion poisons everything, I'm not just doing what publishers like and coming up with a provocative subtitle. I mean to say it infects us in, the, in our most basic integrity. It says we can't be moral without Big Brother, without a totalitarian permission. It means we can't be good to one another. It means we can't think with, without this. We, we must be afraid. We must also be forced to love someone. Who we fear, the essence of sadomasochism, uh, the essence of abjection, the essence of the master slave relationship, and that knows that death is coming and can't wait to bring it on. I say this is evil, and uh, though I do some nights stay home, I enjoy more uh, the nights when I go out and fight against this ultimate wickedness and ultimate stupidity. Is it not the case that the spread of Christianity about which you spoke so warmly and affectingly in your opening remarks attributing it to the innate truth of the Bible story uh, was spread by that means or because the Emperor Constantine decided to make Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire which in your view contributed more to the spread of the faith?
0: Uh, The Holy Spirit
5: I rest my case (laughs) You give me the awful impression I hate to have to say it of someone who hasn't read any of the arguments against your position ever.
1: So what if God actually exists, sir? Would he not have been good to you?
6: No. Uh, He wouldn't. Because if, if that were true, it would mean that I had an eternal supervising parent who would never die and let me get on with my life, never let me grow up, would keep me under surveillance. But you have, and sir. I supervision every, every minute of my but, life. But and, you constantly ask, and constantly asked me to be thanking and praising him. Yeah. That wasn't part of the I well, think it would be like, if we like living in North Korea. I, I, I think it would be a horrible outcome.
1: Well, not sure that, that, that God is Kim Jong-il. But what if what I said
6: is well, true... Well, Kim Jong-il, he has a different opinion.
5: Let's say that the consensus is that our species, we being the higher primates, um, homo sapiens, been, has been on the planet for at least 100,000 years. In order to be Christian, you have to believe that for 98,000 years, our species suffered and died, most of its children dying in childbirth, most other people having a life expectancy of about 25 dying of their teeth, famine, struggle, bitterness, war, suffering, misery, all of that for 98,000 years, heaven watches it with complete indifference. And then 2,000 years ago, thinks, that's enough of that, it's time to intervene. The best way to do this would be by condemning someone to a human sacrifice somewhere in the less literate parts of the Middle East. Not, don't, let's appear to the Chinese, for example, where people can read and study evidence and have a civilization. Let's go to the desert and have another revelation there. This is nonsense. You, it, it can't be believed by a thinking person. If it was true, it would have two further implications. It would have to mean that the designer of this plan was unbelievably lazy and inept, or unbelievably callous and cruel and indifferent and capricious. And that is the case with every argument for design and every argument for revelation and intervention that has ever been made. All of this could be part of a plan. There is no way an atheist can prove it's not. But it's some plan, isn't it, with mass destruction, pitiless extermination, uh, annihilation going on all the time, and all of this set in motion on a scale that's absolutely beyond our imagination, in order that the Pope can tell people not to jerk off. In his comment, one of the few he's made, on the institutionalization of rape and torture and maltreatment of children in Catholic institutions, he said, it's a very severe crisis, which which involves us, he said, in the following, in the need for applying to these victims the most loving pastoral care. Well, I'm sorry, they've already had that. (laughs) The rape and torture of children is not something to be relativized. It's not something to be excused as a few bad priests. It's the crime that cries out for punishment. It's the thing that if we were accused of on this side of the house, we would die rather than admit. And if we were guilty of it, we'd kill ourselves. Your your
4: view would be the same as mine, that child sacrifice is reprehensible, would it not?
6: Did Abraham think child sacrifice was an okay idea?
4: He obeyed God and God intervened. The, the, the ultimate question is, does God think child sacrifice since He sent his own son to be the ultimate sacrifice? Well, I he mean, he appears to be in favor of it. He does appear to be in favor of it, but in I context. You
6: and I agree that we were not.
5: Uh, are I'm they a- asking.: it's uh, not scorning the, the three delightful children who result, who are everything to me and who are my only chance of a, even a glimpse of a, a second life, let alone an immortal one, and I'll tell you something, if I was told to sacrifice them to prove my devotion to God, if I was told to do what all monotheists are told to do and admire the man who said, yes, I'll gut my kid to show my love of God, I'd say, no, fuck you. What about Fräulein Freisel in Austria, whose father, unwilling to get out of the way, kept her in a dungeon where she didn't see daylight for 24 years and came down most nights to rape and to sodomize her, often in front of the children who were the victims of the previous attacks and offences. Imagine how she must have begged him. Imagine how she must have pleaded. Imagine for how long. Imagine how she must have prayed every day, how she must have besieged heaven. Imagine, for 24 years, and no, no answer at all, nothing, nothing. Now, you say, that's all right that she went through that. Because she'll get a better deal in another life. Are you, I have to ask you if, you, if you can be morally or ethically serious and postulate such a question. No, that had to happen. And heaven did watch it with indifference. Because it knows that that score will later on be settled. So it was well worth the going through it. She'll have a better time next time. I don't see how you can look anyone, anyone in the face, or live with yourself and say anything so hideously, wickedly immoral as that, or even implied. There, that's my answer. Do you believe
1: that that god
5: if he's provided
1: everything for you has rights on your life no because
6: why should he? what gives him this right?
1: because he owns you he's created everything for you he's kept well, don't you alive want
6: be I don't want to be owned and I don't recognize anyone's right to own me so ownership is a bad thing? of people yes oh ok it's been widely considered I mean I know I know the bible does call for slavery as it calls for genocide but that doesn't make it right
5: it is a horrible idea that there is somebody who owns us, who makes us, who supervises us, waking and sleeping, who knows our thoughts, who can convict us of thought crime, who can do thought crime just for what we think, uh, who can judge us while we sleep for things that might occur to us in our dreams, who can create us sick, as apparently we are, and then order us on pain of eternal torture to be well again. Th- to demand this, to wish this to be true, is to wish to live as an abject slave.
6: You've made the worst concession already. You've already said you're a slave. So,
5: well, absolutely. Uh,
6: after, I, that, I, after that, after that, mere obedience to orders is a, is a small offence.
4: I readily admit that I'm a slave. I'm a slave of uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad of your chains. Yeah. Well,
6: uh, it's absolutely fine for you, but you must leave me out of it. I don't want to be told that I have to obey these laws too, or that my children have to be taught this in school, or that. Laws have to be written to gratify the the bizarre beliefs of a cult like yours. Well, but... That's the thing I would need you to understand. You're you're quite happy to believe this. Why can't you keep it to yourself?
4: Uh, I'm... Why can't you keep your atheism to yourself?
6: Because the religious won't allow me to. Because every time I open the paper, there's another instance of theocratic encroachment on free society, which I won't put up with, up with which I will not put, Well, that's clear.
5: What about the most important minority in the history of the world? Those who have never believed in God, those who believe that an ethical life is possible without religion. We have to be insulted and outraged every day by what we see, what we read, by slaughter and murder. (laughs) Slaughter and murder and barbarism and insult and, and superstitious nonsense, we do not reply in kind. We don't say we'll go and kill you if you go on insulting us like this. Do we get no credit for saying this? Uh, when, when has anyone ever said what's it like to be insulted as someone who thinks that civilization is a real thing? Why is it always interfaith? Why is it always interdenominational? denominational Why can't we say that all of these cults are equal and equivalent glimpses of the untrue? I know what's coming. I know no one meets these odds. And it's a matter of getting used to that and growing up and realizing that you're expelled from your mother's uterus as if shot from a cannon towards a barn door studded with old nail files and rusty hooks. It's a matter of how you use up the intervening time in an intelligent and ironic way and try not to do everything ghastly to your fellow creatures. I think it will one day be admitted with shame that it might have been in error to say that AIDS is bad as a disease, very bad, but not quite as bad as condoms are bad or not as immoral in the same way. I say it... I say it in the presence of his grace, and I say it to his face, the preachings of his church are responsible for the death and suffering and misery of millions of his brother and sister Africans, and he should apologize for it, he should show some some shame.
6: There's another immoral injunction, go love your own enemies, don't be loving mine, my enemies are the theocratic fascists, I I don't love them, I want to destroy them.
5: For condemning my friend Stephen Stephen Fry, for his nature. for saying for saying you couldn't be a member of our church. You're born in sin. He's not being condemned for what he does. He's being condemned for what he is. You're a child made in the image of God. Oh no, you're not. You're a faggot. And you can't join our church and you can't go to heaven. This is disgraceful. It's inhuman. It's obscene. And it comes from a clutch of hysterical, sinister virgins who've already betrayed their charge in the children of their own church.
4: I would posit to you, Christopher, that there is no fundamental difference between what the Israelites did to the Amalekites and their surrounding neighbors or enemies than what the United States did justly in going into Iraq. Whether we did it principally for moral reasons, it certainly had a moral... Uh...
6: Can you possibly for one second be morally serious as a human being and say that? Well, yes, I can. we, we fulfill what, what Iraqis did we exterminate? What Iraqis did we enslave? What Iraqi virgins did we keep for our soldiers? Having killed the, the rest of their families. Well, what, what are you talking about? Sir? But,
5: That's but you, what t- I said. you took up all the time for my answer with your long, rather unlettered question. Oh. If you want to get good people to do wicked things, you need religion. What do I mean by that? I mean to say that who will they see a newborn baby arriving in their life? If anyone's ever thought, even myself, well, maybe there is something to this. Look at the look at the perfection of this little bundle. But, but they, I tell you what, though, before we go any further, we need to get a sharp knife or a stone from somewhere and start hacking away at the genitalia of this, this little bundle. Because if we don't, we uh, won't be doing God's will. Now, where it, no moral person would do such a thing unless they thought it was divinely warranted. Christopher, I've, I've got to call you down on refer, referring to circumcision as genital mutilation. My son cried more at his first haircut than he did at his bris. And you weren't doing it right, then. <laughs> statistically, the, the only long-term effect that it seems to have on people is it increases their chances of winning a Nobel Prize. I can't, um, I can't find the, the um, compulsory uh, mutilation of the genitals of children as a subject for humor in that way, or flippancy in that way. What if a Muslim was to say to you just now, my little girl cried more at her first haircut than when I cut off her clitoris? What would you think of me if I was to say such a disgusting thing? That a person as humane as yourself can sit here and, be, and think of that as a fit subject for humor shows what I mean. Religion makes morally normal people say and do disgusting and wicked things. And you've just proved my point for me.
4: Well, I, I want to make it clear in our closing moments here, Christopher, I don't consider you an enemy. I don't consider you. Uh, well, I'm very sorry to hear that. Well, I know because you want me to be your enemy. You're pl- well, you, well, no, you, excuse me, you are my enemy. Well, but you're not my enemy.
6: Uh, I, I, how I, you can figure that?
4: No, because I don't feel a need to have to silence Christopher Hitchens. Well, well it,
6: you don't have a chance of doing that. I don't mean that at all. But I mean your 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 preachments are evil, and they're a direct threat to the survival of civilization. So you, if you don't consider me an enemy, you don't know an enemy when you see or hear one
5: the argument for theism, that not only can we establish this prime mover's existence, but we can show by some form of induction that he intervenes in wars, that he answers prayers, that he cares who we sleep with and in what position, uh, that uh, what food we eat and on what days is a ridiculous proposition. It's a claim to a truth that no primate can claim to make. Primates who claim to know it should be distrusted. Great damage has been done and continues to be done by such people and by and by such ideas. You're better off thinking for yourself and taking all the risks and, I might add, all the pleasures that will come from that. The most overrated of the virtues is faith. The metaphysical claims of religion are untrue. Thank you. So, so there it is.
2: There's a lot of gems in there.
1: That is a a wonderful clip that you can find on YouTube. By the way, it's titled "Christopher Hitchens: The Best of the Hitch Slap," mm-hmm. and uh, goddamn,
2: my personal favorite from the clip is the Fräulein Freisel quote. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, uh, one of my favorites too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna miss you very much. It's a uh, it's a shame the world lost an immeasurable talent four years ago. And we'll probably do this every year, so if you continue year upon year to listen to the show, (laughs) this will be an episode that you either have to skip if you're not a fan of Christopher Hitchens, or get on board.
2: Well, if you're not a fan of Christopher Hitchens, I'd love to know why, Well,
1: also, why are you listening to our show?
2: Well, no, that's fine because you can listen to people that you disagree with. But wh- why I just, anyone who dislikes him, I would genuinely be curious to know why. Just because that's a strange thing to me. But I would genuinely, I'm serious, genuinely yeah. like to know like what someone doesn't like about him.
1: Well, everybody, we are going to wrap it up with that. We love you. We appreciate you. You guys mean the world to us. Without our listeners, without our supporters, we wouldn't be here. We would not be doing this. We would not be reaching out to as many of you as we do, and we wouldn't be continuing the conversation in this grand fashion that we have found ourselves fortunate enough to do. So until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been
2: I Doubt It. And I, I don't like to agree with you.